What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I'm your host, Nick Nadavati. This is episode <laughs> 55 of the podcast, and we are very happy you could join us today. This is my Nick voice, in case you haven't caught on to that. They say we learn the most from our losses, and that is exactly what this show plans to do. We're going to interview an elite player who has lost not one or two games, and they plan to talk about how they plan to learn from those mistakes in that game. How often have you blamed the game on bad dice? We've all done it. I've done it. Brad Chester has done it. I'm going to say it again. Nurgle Matthew has done it. We are <laughs> heading down to the Midwest Conquest in Kansas City, one of my favorite cities on the planet. Make sure to check out Q39 Barbecue if you're going to the Games Workshop event later this year. I will be there. It is delightful. Get the pork belly. We are talking about Space Wolves versus Leviathan Tyranids. So this is a Space Wolf episode. You've all been waiting for it. The last one was pretty negative. I think this one's going to be pretty positive. I'm pretty excited about it. This is part one of the episode. In this part, we're going to analyze the game. We're going to talk about common mistakes. We're going to talk about the secondaries and target priority in part two, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. We are going to deep dive into the list, the adjustments they plan to make. We're going to talk about her, how their list plays into your your list, how your list plays into their list, how all the things happen. We're going to talk about list adjustments, new strategies, and the greatest thing on the planet, that elite player mindset. Now, my co-host today, he is on a real roll. He's won some stuff. In 2022, he won what I, one of my favorite events, the Rocky Top Rumble. Go check out our episode from last year where I sang the full Rocky Top song. I'm not doing it today. He's been all kinds of places. He's won all kinds of things. He is a nine-time member of Team USA. He'll, this is his 10th year. This is your 10th year, Brad. I'm excited. That's why this is, this is your 10 for you, man. We just had the team, team USA practice this weekend. Oh, well. This is, let, me, let me finish your intro. He's won a lot of Adepticons. He has three top eight finishes at LVO. He won like a lot of events last year. He almost won the ITC. It was pretty impressive. He had a good run. He had a good run. He almost pulled it out. This is his year this year. He's going to do it. The Rocket Top Rumble has catapulted him. Mr. Brad Chester. What up? What up? I don't know. I'm trying to win. My whole goal this year is to win every team event in North America. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to rock. I tried to team. deny you, and I just couldn't. I couldn't deny you at Adepticon, and um, that was upsetting. I told you that was the last time I was going to mention it, the last time I introduced you, but uh, it's just still too fresh. I have to do it one more time. Still too fresh. I love it. Brad, that was my sloppiest intro of you ever, too. I just want that noted as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean it up next time. we got to really consolidate down so you're... I think you were just still upset about the Nick voice. I mean, it was really a bad thing last week. I, I apologize for everybody that listened last week. We were like, Nick, please stop. And he was like, I won't. He can't be denied. He's juggernaut. He just rocked through that. It sounded like the kid from Deliverance trying to do an impersonation of the kid from Deliverance. You know, like... I don't think you can really control Nick. You just got to kind of keep him broked off in an area. It's just a, it's it like was, a it was hurricane. Rough. Just batting things down. Lock the doors, batting the windows down. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Nick Nanavati is here to party. Our <laughs> guest today, he has been on a real strict issue with Space Wolves. He is the bug eater 
best baseball player. He finished 14th going to four and two this last weekend at Midwest Conquest. He won best overall, finishing third with his only loss being to Leviathan Tyranids. At Season Beatings, one of my favorite event names, he got first place. At the Legion of the Damn Eve, he got first place. At Double Decker Decimation, he got second place. At St. Catherine's Day Massacre, he got third place. He's been on an absolute tear with the Wolf Boys, Mr. Brian Bam Bam Hunter. What is going on, everybody? I'm just super excited about this lamp. Yeah, he has a a leg lamp. Let me paint the picture. It is a major award. No one else can see it, but I want to see it. (laughs) There's a sexy leg lamp sitting in the background of Mr. Brian right now, and uh, it's it's nice. Do you go by Bam Bam or Brian? Because I've heard people call you both. Usually Bam Bam. uh, Sometimes if you ask for Brian, nobody's going to know who you're talking about. What is the Bam Bam? (laughs) Where does Bam Bam come from? What's the origin of Bam Bam? I, I was a wrestler. I used to, believe it or not, this this uh, this out of shape physique in front of you used to be an ad. That's, uh, that's when I got it. was wrestling back in the day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to see a old man Brad versus Bam Bam Hunter WrestleMania. We would literally both get injured getting in the wrestling stance. Well, you have, a, doctor so. to take care of. You have a sports medicine doctor <laughs> to take care of you, actually. I'll, I'll be there yeah. to do yeah. all injuries. If we can do 30-second rounds. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> Thirty seconds. Who's gonna Who's gonna judge that? Who do y'all get the three man judge panel on the WrestleMania? Who do you put on it? Kramer. You get Kramer to be win the robe. He has Kramer. to win the robe. I'm gonna put my my vote is gonna be. I'm gonna put Jack Harpster on there just because he he's a he, he knows some fighting stuff. Bam Bam, who's your third? Well, I was just, I was gonna say Jack because Jack and I have actually talked jujitsu before. I'm not sure anybody else in uh in 40k that that does the grappling arts or the. We actually have we have a decent amount of actually. You, okay. you get Adam Camilleri. You get uh, Anthony Vanilla on there. I'm pretty sure he's uh, he did him. And we've got a lot of guys that have done martial arts over the years. Nice. Yeah, last time I competed in Jiu Jitsu was 2012, and that, that seems like a, a world ago. So. I want to referee it. And spoiler alert: I'm letting everything go. You're just it's just a free for all, man. But they could be pants free. That's the problem. <laughs> hey, yeah, that that has to. That's we always we talk about this. The show is recorded pants free. The mm. wrestling pants free. Pants free. Tell us about the Midwest Conquest, man. Tell us a little bit about the event, how it went down, how the terrain was laid out, all the things. Midwest Conquest traditionally had been ran by someone else, and a new TO took it over this year. I hadn't been the last couple of years, and the new TO reached out, said, "Hey, you know, come to the event." I was like, "Sure, man, I'll go." And they were doing player place train, so that was kind of interesting. You know, there's a lot of tournament. I think tournaments that are booed as a player place train, and I always feel like I have a, a little bit of a fighting chance if there's a good amount of terrain. It's player place and first floor blocks line side. So that's kind of what the the train situation was like. Everybody had, I think. Probably three or four decent ruins, you know, and then there'd be a mixture of either, you know, craters and some dents or some uh, armored containers. And, you know, so basically it, that, that's what you did, you separate, just like everything else, you know, attacker, defender, separate terrain. Uh, you guys go place and alternating. And uh, it was, I think, obscuring had to be six inches from other pieces. Uh, was one of the things that four inches off the table edge, which I think everybody's pretty much generically doing that I've seen in a lot of player packets. It's it's big on that. I love the fact that you said that because I want to touch on that because we've had player place terrain at a lot of different events and sometimes it feels good, sometimes it doesn't. But I think one of the big things is that, like you said, that that first level is blocking line of sight. I feel that that's just a must have. And if your terrain doesn't block the first level of line of sight, I think they just do it counts as because yeah. it, a lot of man, you get some of these. You go to an event and they'll, you know, you all play a place terrain, but it'll have a base and it'll have windows. And you're like, this piece is 
effectively worthless to me. You know, yeah. like this is just in the way right now. Especially with player place terrain, you you should be able to make a good board, but you got to have a couple things. And I love that you said that though. It just made got me thinking because I'm like, man, some of these boards are are fake news. <laughs> they're, they're not. Well, the, you know, the game starts from the time that you drop that first piece, and you know, we've all played the U.S. Opens, and I love the U.S. Open terrain. And I love the way that you know Brant and designed the terrain. But again, there's sometimes it missions just there's no objectives that are going to be protected you know and with player place terrain from the second like i look at the mission i look where the objectives are i'm already like game planning like you know this is where i need to hide this is where i need to protect this is you know these are the resources i have to do it this is how i'm going to lay it out you know and i and i found that honestly like player placed i can most missions go into them and give myself a good way to hold down objectives good ways to hold down the board and and know that like i'm not gonna hit that you know that towel list or that hell of doom list and just turn one just be off the board so that's that is, I, I was thinking it's a format you just have to though I, I really think that that's a big deal in ninth edition 40k things die i mean the game is lethal if you're standing the, the only way to stay alive to be honest even with armor contempt everything else is to just not be seen and i just think it's a big deal tos listen up you have to have bottom four block. You can't have big window terrain. It just doesn't work. No, nah, no, nah, no bottom four block. Let knights play, man. Let knights live. Free the knights. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, I think there's there's wiggle room too. You know, if you like most of us stipulate that, you know, like a knight should be able to fit through any piece of terrain, you know, you give them a little bit of, of, of compromise. But, you know, again, it's like in Monkey, I don't care if there's a window or a door there or not. I'm telling everybody like first four blocks. You know, it just, it, it helps all the armies, I think, if you really think about it, other than that. Let me pause here for a second. I, I completely, I completely blew past this. Tell us about Flying Monkey Con, man, because I know that you're the TO of that event. You put on a great event every year. Just tell us, tell us just a second. Just give us a minute on it. I appreciate it. Flying Monkey Con, me and my buddy, uh, Matt Neely and Duncan, I can't say his last name, but I just call him Dunkalicious. It's September 23rd to the 25th uh, in Wichita, Kansas, and Dude, it's pretty cool. We've uh, we've been doing it a few years. Uh, it was originally started by someone else that got handed off to us. And uh, the venue's dope. Like, there's free breakfast, free dinner out there. They have free drinks during happy hour. So, like, if you stay at the venue, you just kind of walk downstairs with your okay. tray and play. Whoa, and, whoa, uh, whoa. Roll this back a little for Brad. Did you say free drinks during happy hour? Free what's, drinks during happy hour, Brad. What's, what's the date? <laughs> <laughs> 23rd through the 25th of September. Yeah. September? Okay. Yeah. I'm al- I'm already here. Just send yeah, me something so I remember it. I'm, that's I'm fine. I already it. talked to Blake. So yeah. uh, if you got here, Brad, I'll uh, I'll even give you my happy hour ticket for my drinks. I'm so. I'm already I'm already checked in. This is going so, on the calendar right now. Yeah, but we should be I think we're we're shooting for 120 this year. Last year, I think we're in the nineties. Uh, so it's you know it's gonna be a lot bigger this year. We have an A it's a Sigmar major two. Um, I think Age of Sigmar is already about sold out, and that we're doing some Marvel practice protocol Friday night. So it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a good venue. It's right on the river. Oh, I don't know if you have scars or not, Brad, but uh, I'll buy you some scar and drink that on the river after the first night. If you want. I like that. We need to get uh, get over there. And y'all replaced like the day for Iron Halo, so all the people who originally were going to that kind of are redirecting to you, I guess. Right? So I bet y'all yeah. are pretty big this year, huh? Yeah. So the the Lord Marshall Conference is like our Midwest, you know, the the flyover state league for lack of a way of putting it. So we, we have guys all the way up to, you know, Minnesota area, North Dakota, uh, all the way down to like Oklahoma and some parts of Texas. And we basically just have like our own league. And uh, every year we have like an end cap on the league where we do awards for it and, and everything else. And that's going to happen at Monkey this year because Jason, Jason Horn decided to 
hang up the Iron Halo hat for now, which is where we traditionally did it. Uh, so it's the first year that Monkey's going to be the, the book into the season. So we're uh, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. I'm juiced for this. I'm very excited now. I need to grab you. Should kind of yell, yell at Sorry. I know. I'm, you already had me. I'm just Blake's. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm coming. I'll get a plane ticket the very last minute, and I'm staying in Blake's room. So yeah. just figure it out, Blake. <laughs> yeah, well, I've already decided you're staying with me. I've already determined that. So it's happening. It takes I'm a excited. village to raise a brat. So. Yeah, it does. It always does. <laughs> Yeah. So we we talked about the terrain a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your list, man. Everyone, I want to know our best episodes are always Space Wolves. People freaking love. I love Space Wolves. Who doesn't? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your list here. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, dude, I love Space Wolves. Space Wolves was my first army. I started playing this game in 1993, 1994. I just from the jump, I love Space Wolves, and I've been trying so hard to get Space Wolves to work, and the meta just never wants to do it with. Like it, Bro, it's sustained fire dice. All you got to do is bring your Space Wolf Terminators, your sustained fire dice, and make that happen. Oh, yeah, we're, not, it, we're not in that ter- that tradition anymore. My bad. <laughs> I, I long, I long for the fifth edition long, long bank spam. Yeah, days. So, I know some of y'all though. But. What was that? The missile launchers where you give them all the missile launchers, like it just maxed them out. Yeah. Yep. It was a min max uh, missile launcher. So, but I, I really was, you know, and I'm tempted. I've met a hopped. And every time I met a hop, I get so mad and frustrated. And I've had a hard time. And I finally just told myself, I'm going to dance with the girl I brought to the dance, just play some space wolves. And uh, so when I've been dojoing and I've been practicing my games, um, like one of my buddies, you know, he has the Hella Dude list. And I played him and, and he kept kicking my ass. And then finally I was like figuring out ways to beat it, figuring out ways to beat it. And I played the Hella Dude list last weekend and I beat it. You know, it was at, it was at a, a major. He was surprised that Space Wolves beat the Hell of Doom list, but I did it, you know, and I've gotten probably to where I'm about 50 or 60 percent of the time. Like it, I can get the NIDS list. There's some stuff in the list. It's kind of it's kind of silly. And I do make some silly plays sometimes and I make jokes about it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I got the the basically the Super Saiyan Chaplain in there. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize what that dude does, but you know, he's got a he's got Imperium Sword on him. He's got Hunter on him. So you know, bikes. You got a twenty some inch move. Twenty one uh, inch plus, plus one charge. Twenty one inch plus my charge. So if I have the mechanical hate goes off, I get plus two to my charge also. So if I got the mantra strength, the the mechanical hate going off, I can just bullet that dude out somewhere twenty one inches. You know, make a short charge, and he's he's smack and something at strength eight, seven attacks, and uh, flat four damage. You know, and if I can put him in an assault doctrine with the whirlwind, the rage, and the successor chapter, you know, I'm basically, sometimes I've got 15, 16 hits off that dude, you know, and if I'm smart, and I remember sometimes I'll start out with a chapter master buying, and if I know I'm going to Leroy Jenkins down the field, you know, before I Leroy Jenkins, you know, chapter, chapter master him as well. And I'll just take all everything but a six on that first roll and just re-roll everything and try and fish four more sixes. And I've seen that dude, he's taking down knights, you know, he's taking down land he's taking down stuff. I've started like eating him at Maliceptors, and, <laughs> and that's and it works. Like he uh most instances when you eat him at a Maliceptor, he'll he'll kill it. And then sometimes I'll just uh I'll take the uh space holes has an extra strat for a three inch consolidation, extra three inch, I'll take the extra three inch you consolidate six inches into something and uh if they can't kill it they'll you know fall back shoot it or whatever or just stay in close combat with the next turn and i'll find him on death but hmm. most instances i send him at whatever big bat it's on the board that i want go- that i want gone or i'll play cagey with him and uh put the wolf guard in reserve and if i get the kind of blood hate off i'll drop the wolf guard next to him so they get plus two from the charge out deep strike type of deal 
I throw the chapter master rerolls on whatever I, you know, needs to get them. You know, usually it's the wolf guard. I send the wolf guard downrange to go after something. The, the problem with wolfing is everybody sees them. They're big, scary. And so they shoot them. <laughs> so I've spent a lot of time, like, kind of the wolfing are usually like my, I know a lot of people think of them as like a first wave thing. Um, but honestly, a lot of times, like the wolf guard are a little bit more survivable than wolfing. So the wolf guard will go out with my first advance party out there and either hold something, hold the center of the board. And uh, I'll sneak wolfing up behind them, leave them behind a wall. And then uh, with the space wolf six inch heroic intervention, like they Kool Aid man out, you know, and catch a lot of stuff. You There's know? so many Thunder Hammers in here. I love everything about it. <laughs> there's yeah. just Thunder Hammers everywhere. Dude, there's big bugs everywhere. And then there's stuff that reduces damage everywhere. So if you take two damage stuff, most instances, it's trash. You know, you take three damage stuff, you take four damage stuff, um, you can actually bring down things. And uh, so that's why there's all Thunder Hammers, man. It's just, uh, it's, it's, I think it's the way if you're going to run them. And, you know, the thing is, too, is like, so even at strength eight with the Thunder Hammer, the Wolf and Thunder Hammer is strength 10. So, and then you have a space wolf strat called Sat Strike where you can be plus one to wound. So you can throw those Thunder Hammers and stuff, you know, and if you're War One to Rage and you're Assault Doctrine, you're getting double exploding sixes. And then if you Savage Strike the unit, it's not key, it's plus one to plus one to wounds, so you're wounded on twos. Plus you got you the know. Beast Slayer on the Chapter Master, so if he kills something, then you get that ore off him too. Yep, and that's and that's the trick too. I think some people forget is like the way the Space Wolves, you know, their deeds and their sagas work is sometimes, you know, I won't eat that Chaplain out there. I'll, I'll put the Chaplain at something pretty pretty easy to kill i'll advance and charge and kill something you know now all of a sudden my wolf guard can advance and charge you know and when you're when you're rolling you know on an average of three or four advance and getting your you know a 15 or 16 inch move out of wolf guard and then they can still charge at the end of that you know if the litany's nearby it's plus two like you can pretty much get around the board and it's faster than it looks it's real fast. Nice. What else you got in the list here? There. So that list there, the one for Midwest Conquest, the, the list I'm practicing for my next event, I've changed a little bit. The One of the things, too, that I think is key is a lot of people, when you have a fast-moving army and you and you go out into the enemy, uh, you leave holes in your backfield. And, and that's where a lot of guys R&D, you know, our guys deploy teleport Homer, which will bring me to the Tyranids game a little later. But I have two Cyberwolves. And if you haven't played against a Space Wolf player with Cyberwolves and realized how annoying it is for them to have the backfield screened off, you know, you, you don't understand. Like, that's the best 30 points you'll spend in Warhammer. 15 period. points a piece, baby. I love yeah. those guys. <laughs> I usually pay 15 points a piece, but like, like Brad said, and then those two dudes leading out like nine inches to each center on my backfield. And I have people, they'll pick R&D against me, and, and I, I'll tell them, like, hey, I'm probably going to have my backfield screened out. They'll do it anyways. And uh, they'll end up with four on R&D, you know, because they can't ever get in my backfield. Because I'll also have I have one troops choice and I bring infiltrators. So if you put infiltrators on your home field objective, it's unchargeable from D strike. So people dropping down, you know, they have to drop more than 12 inches away. And then you have the cyber wolves covering your corners and you can hold down a, a whole backfield on hammer and anvil with, with basically three units, you know, two being cyber wolves and one being uh, infiltrators. So I do love me some infiltrators. Yeah, I do. And for a while, I was so upset at the 120-point price, but the more I played with them and the more, like, nobody ever gets into my home field objective, the, the better they, you know, it's I'll spend that points in every list. I, I like it, too, because of the insurance policy, to tell you the truth. I mean, you go into five five-game tournaments, seven or eight-game tournaments, you know what I mean? You're tired. 
you might make a small error on stuff. It's nice to have your insurance policy of those infiltrators going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys, you stay over there. You're not allowed to charge me. I like that. The hobby yeah, part of how, many, how many times have you had like some dude make like the last, a last turn YOLO, you know, and like already a nine and, and they're rolling something, you know, and that it just prevents all those shenanigans. It just it keeps my back build clean. It's one thing less to worry about. Like Brad said, I don't, I don't like things. So <laughs> it's, it's just one less thing I have to worry about. I know those guys are safe and usually stuff's mobile enough to get over there if they need to build out. You took the librarian in Phobos armor. Tell me about uh, that instead of him jumping around. So that dude, first off, the Phobos armor is cheaper than the librarian with jump back. If he's hanging out in cover and most armies, you know, that don't ignore cover, he gets a little bit better of a save. And then also I can kind of sometimes I'll, uh, like if I, if I get something out towards the center, um, I'll send him out that way. He can hide in the middle of the board, but you know what I do with him nine times out of 10, if it's not a psychic heavy army, I'm going against that dude will psychic interrogate for me every game. And for the longest time, I wasn't taking ciphers because everybody was like, Oh, you'll miss out on the board of the witch. You'll miss out on the board of the witch. And, uh, I'm starting to think like a board of the witch sometimes can be a trap. And, and like, I've taken it against thousand sons, you know, get, get my booty hole hurt. You know, I've taken it against <laughs> other armies like Tyranids. I never get at the And so I'm like, screw it. I'm throwing this guy in. But if I get into the battle and like someone like Tau, for instance, like psych interrogation is great against them. Yeah. Uh, I'll deploy him somewhere a little bit up out of my deployment so I can usually, you know, move him out there and get him within 24 inches quick and uh, start my psychic interrogation turn one. So if, say, I get into that other battle where, like, Tyrannids are out there and they're negative one to cast, uh, there's the uh, Gorilla Warfare strat. You can pop him around the board because he's got Phobos armor. So if you need him somewhere else, you can put him there. You can also, I've done the same thing with the Infiltrator sometimes. If I've had an empty objective on the other side of the board that I need someone to get over there for, for some kind of, you know, primary, secondary thing, I'll, I'll pop him over there. Then I'll use him as, like, a he can put stuff into assault dock. He can throw an eligible fight by last on stuff in the middle of the board, you know. And then the the space world strat that uh, if he gets a successful power off, he can cast it and everything with six inches and it's minus one day. Yeah. And uh, he's just highly efficient for 105 points, man. I can just do quite a bit with. It. So you got the double eradicators and the double blade guard. How come we took the blade guard with the old armor contempt out here? Not that they're not good, but man. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm a, you dirty LR players, basically, is what it boils down to. <laughs> um, so, you know, even with what are dire vendors with uh, with sixes? They're like negative four, right? 84. <laughs> yeah, 84. I have a, you know, let's say I have an incursor that uh, cool, I'm still rolling sixes. Like armor contempt. I, so I, I am not as big on armor contempt as everybody else. I don't think it's that great uh, because you're still, most instances, like, you know, when the dire Avengers are getting those sixes on, you're rolling sixes. And I have a hard enough time rolling fours, much less sixes. <laughs> also, the thing about it is, like, those are wound models that if you put them on an objective, they have a six inch heroic intervention. So if anything comes near that objective and tries to touch it, even if it's offset, you know, people will come up there and be like, I'm going to tow this offset guy on unit take it from you. I'm usually keeping one CP in my pocket because I'm a heroic intervening those blade guard and they will kill most, you know, most troops, most infantry that you put on something, they'll kill them. Oh, especially and, uh, exploding sixes, massive yeah. power swords. Right. And especially when you get into the salt auction and those sixes are two additional hits. Like, you know, you'll you'll end up with a ton of dice sometimes that your opponent's like confused with what's going on. You have to stop shuffling it. And then again, with all the single damage out there, high volume of shots, um, having three wound models in a unit of five sit on an objective is it just, I just like it better. You know, it might not be the most optimal thing to do. You know, I know that unit's 175 points, but in general, you know, everybody's worried about the wolf and that are in their butt or the wolf guard that are out there doing doing dirty to them. And those blade guards get to be strong on the objective and score in the primary every turn. Yeah. Or keeping me in my stranglehold. 
Brad, why don't you tell us about the list that Bam Bam played against here, the Tyranid list at the Midwest Conquest? Tyranid Leviathan. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about them. They're little known. Yeah. But he did have some shenanigans on this, I have to admit, because he took, he's got a Neurothrope with all the regulars. He's got a Winged Hive Tyrant with the Obliterate, you know, the Reaper, of course. But then he took a Turvagon and 30 Termagots, which I thought was had some serious flavor on it. 10 Gargoyles, 2 units of Warriors, Maliceptor, Unizoes, 3 Carnifexes with Heavy Venom Cannon, Harpy with all the bad stuff and a Tyrannocyte drop pod. Hmm. So you had it. He had, he had a little three kind of what's that? There were Carnifexes, dude. Yeah, three, the, the three Carnifexes. Mm-hmm. So cool. So you uh, tell us about what mission you played. Tell us what secondaries both y'all took and kind of tell us what your thoughts were walking up to the table. Man, I was, I've slept a lot since then. <laughs> and uh, I am old like Brad, so I'll do my best. <laughs> but we had the scouring and that game, man, I, uh, I really had that one and it just got away from from me and it was kind of sad because people were walking by and like i was getting pats on the back and like oh my god space wolves on the top table you know and people were just kind of like amazed here's a space wolf player playing nits you know and so it was the scouring and i'm pretty sure i took oaths and might have been stranglehold i, I can only imagine it was stranglehold on the, the scouring yeah. if you're doing that yeah it was uh stranglehold and i can't tell you a third uh i, I can't remember the third i'm sorry guys oh no problem no problem this and, game uh, was a nail biter on that too, and you. Well, to yeah. tell you the truth, also for the entire tournament, if you want to go in battle points, you did tie for most battle points, also. So, which is no, I think I won. I had the most battle points. Well, you I and won. him, I think, tied. I beat my one. Ah. Aha! But yeah. all the goodness, dude. I, so I lost real quick. I lost that game by seven points. And he had warriors that came out, and I shot him with the eradicators. And for whatever reason, let's blame dice real quick, just so you guys make fun of me. Oh, yes, yes. I I pooped the bed shooting with my eradicators and left one of those warriors alive. And it was so far away, I couldn't get over and engage or do anything to it. And then next turn, he charges the eradicators, and that dude deployed on me for four in my deployment zone. And then moved the eradicators, he engaged them again. And I couldn't get them because they were on the other side of a ruin. And he engaged them again. And that dude deployed again for another four. So I lost my seven points. And that one warrior that lived after the eradicator shot him scored eight points on deployed teleport over to my, my deployment <laughs> So I had already killed the Maliceptor. I'd killed the, the, the Harpy. I'd killed the High Tyrant. I'd killed all the Carnifexes. I'd killed the Zoanthropes, the Neuranthropes. Um, all he had left was the, the Big Mama dinosaur thing and uh, all the gaunts and because uh, i pretty much ignored that sucker for most of the game and uh, i just it was a good game but i lost by seven you know and it was, i think he had grind and i kept him out of grind a few times he also picked stranglehold i kept him out of stranglehold a few times from deployment you know again with player place train if i get to place first that usually that first piece is me thinking about my oaths with having to get it within six inches of the center so i usually put a good ruin there that i know i can hide in and kool-aid man through the wall and, you know, usually that objective, it always seems easy to get whenever, you know, like there's some big nasty thunder hammers hiding on the wall. You know, you get a little cagey coming out and trying to take that. And so when someone else takes stranglehold and I take stranglehold, I usually feel like I'm going to win that battle because I'm going to have more nasty behind the wall that they can't shoot. And uh, if they go up and touch it, it's going to be their game. So I'll sometimes line walls with Wolfen. And the cool thing about Wolfen, it's like I really sometimes don't have to worry about fights first, fights last, fights whenever, because if they're going to fight when they die. Yes. I love me some Wolfen. I just love that. What I'll do sometimes is, you know, I I always tell myself I at least want to trade up with Wolf. Like, I don't care what they get into. 
I just want to trade up. Or if I put them out there in front, you know, whenever whatever's coming at me, I want it to be something that it is trading up. So like uh, I put the wolf in behind a wall and he flew the high current out there. And I heroic interventioned the wolfen right into the high current, you know, and it was like, well, cool. It was, you know, that's, that's right where I wanted the high current. So I'll, I'll take him, you, you know, and, and before that I yeeted my smashlin into the maliceptor. Ooh. So here's another kicker left that maliceptor with one wound on it. So I thought, well, whatever I can hit, pop that wound off some other way. And the first psychic power that that maliceptor cast, he miscast, rerolled it to another miscast and then blew his own pain off. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> So what was your, when you're looking at the board, what was your target priority on his list? What were you thinking? This has to die for me to be able to win this game. So the first thing that I thought had to die was the damn part. Um, you know, uh, really the reason I heard Brad mention the Eradicators earlier, the Eradicators are in the list because Space Wolves have a strat called Keen Senses where they fire with no penalty. So when there's a harpy on the board, usually I keep the chapter master near the eradicator so I can chapter master at least one unit of eradicators. And uh, they're usually behind a wall tucked in nice somewhere to where like a harpy or an airplane can't get at them right off the bat. And then they walk outside the wall, chapter master, and uh, they shoot whatever's in the sky and hopefully bring it. So turn one. I had chapter master eradicators. I brought them out from behind the wall, shot at the harpy, and I left it with, I think, three wounds. So I rolled wolf guard that direction as like an insurance policy. And with the jump packs, they basically went over there and beat him with damage out of the sky. So turn one, I went at Maliceptor, I went at the harpy. And I, and I got the harpy before I got the Maliceptor, but I got the I got the harpy turn one, Maliceptor turn two. And then when he put the high tyrant out there, I got him turn three with the uh, with the wolf. And, and then basically he realized he had to move the big dinosaur. Is it, is it train effects or what is it? I don't know. Names, but tiered and stuff. Talk about the Turbogon? Yeah, the one that's like Tur- has baby gaunts, you know. Turbogon. He had to start moving that out from its safe place to go out and get on the middle of He was going to this game to fix Stranglehold. So he slowly moved that out. He still had some zone throws left that he moved out and a narrow throw. He was, you know, basically got a good angle, put a lot of psychic power stuff I had in the middle side to bring out my next wave, tried to kill stuff and got the zone throws. Started to hide the narrow, thro- the narrow throat, so I had to go chase the narrow throat down. But the Carnifex is kind of just ran out there, and I just killed them as I was going down the board. So that's a, that's kind of how I treat the Carnifexes because I wasn't extra, too worried about the shooting. extra movement. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So and that's kind of what I did. You know, I'll, I'll I would charge. I wouldn't base myself. You know, I'd pile in further down, and then when I'd kill it, I'd take my extra three off and basically get myself six inches further down the board after killing the Carnifex. So. Mm. Um, and that's the cool thing about the, you know, I, I love post-combat. Um, it really fits, you know, I remember it was a few years ago that I was struggling with the game, talking to Matt Ritt, and One of his biggest pieces of advice to me was to basically, you know, find, figure out what my play style is and get really good with my play style. And, and I love post-combat arms and I love the things that you can do with post-combat arms, you know, and you can, you can turn inches into miles, you know, if you're a good close combat player, you can get into someone's line and just disrupt their whole battle plan. By, you know, making sure you're basing the right things, making sure you're piling in the right way, making sure you're consolidating and touching a certain thing in a certain way. And I like that aspect of the game. I like that. I like those little, you know, the millimeters are important, that type of deal. So I just want to imagine the close combat when you're in the back forces. I want to imagine it being like, and bam, bam, from the top ropes. You're just like jumping down the middle <laughs> of this backfield, you know, just... And the cool thing about Midwest Conquest, though, I had a bad game. Uh, Brad was there. We were in, in Detroit. I had a really bad game, round three. And me and my opponent just didn't get along. You know, and sometimes that happens. And so I let it ruin my weekend, which I shouldn't have done. And going into Midwest Conquest, I told myself that, like, my goal this weekend was to have fun, 
you know, it's, it's kind of a home field GT, you know, go in there and just have a good time and enjoy all my games and whatever happened, happened. And like, I wound up with best overall, you know, with the mindset of like, I'm just going to go in here and holler and do, you know, and have a good time. Who didn't and, and I did it. And, and I was, you know, and I was, when something cool had happened, like the malice after blowing up, I was hollering, you know, like Russ is with us, you know, just, I was basically being dork, but you know, it was a good time. So. Getting rowdy as hell, man. Getting rowdy as hell. All the counts about it. That's as rowdy as I can get with my pants on. Well, let's, uh, let's take this to part two. Let's take this to the Brad hour. I feel like we're at the point where we've talked about the game. Let's talk about, let's, let's let Brad do his thing. He's got to go blind. You know, like in uh, Stranger Things and their eyes go white and roll in the back of their head. He's going to do that for like an hour. And you're just got to be like, oh my gosh, like Brad, you're creeping me out. Can't so, be stopped. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> Sheer, sheer, it's gonna be a horror film on you, man. I apologize for this, but thanks for joining us, man. Part two is actually gonna be free this week, so make sure to listen to Bam Bam's part two, where we talk about strategy, list, all the good stuff that you normally get by subscribing. All right, thanks for listening. Check out our other podcast, check out The Art of War Vanilla now with Paul Murphy and Nick Nadavati, Tom DePotty. We have The Art of War down under, very, very Australian. With the very late, very great Adam Camilleri, we, of course, are the Art of War Pistachio. The flavor didn't know till you tried it. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. Theartofwar40k.com. 